You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Audio Podcast. If you have your sermon notes there, your Bibles, I want to begin this morning with, with this question to kind of get us thinking. How many of you want to be rich? Like if somebody was passing out rich today, how many of you would say, hey, I, I think I would be interested? And when we consider that the opposite of rich is what? Poor. So if you have an option between poor or rich, how many of you say, I, I think I'm interested? Uh, the rich wouldn't be bad. Now let me say from the outset today that as we think about blessing, as we think about goods, as we think about rich, however you would define that, rich is not bad. Being blessed is not bad. Matter of fact, if you, if you look at the whole of Scripture, there was a lot of men in the Bible, a lot of individuals in the Bible who were rich. I mean, Abraham was rich. Job was rich. King David was rich. King Solomon was rich. Get this. Joseph of Arimathea, the man who loaned Jesus' tomb, because Jesus only needed it for three days. I was just there. It's still empty. <laughs> Joseph of Arimathea, the Scripture says he was rich. So there's nothing wrong with being rich. I want to say that from, from, from the outset as we talk about this, this subject today of what it looks like to be rich. There's nothing wrong with being rich. And what we're going to discover this morning before we're all through that by, by the world's standards, all of us in the room are rich. And I'm going to, I'll explain that more in, in just a moment because probably for most of you, you don't think of yourself as being rich. You know somebody who's rich, right? But it's not you because rich is always like this moving target. It's always someone else. I think what we're going to discover this morning is, is that we're, we're all rich. But the real question is this. Are you rich in what really matters? In God's eyes, in, from God's point of view, are you rich... And what really matters. So this morning we're doing this two-part sermon. I couldn't get it all packed into one sermon, so we kind of put it into two. And so what we want to do this week and next week is we're going to be talking about, about living rich. What, what does it look like to live rich? See, there's an earthly temporary perspective on being rich. And then there's a heavenly eternal perspective on being rich. Or let me say it another way. There is rich defined by man and there's rich defined by God. And the two definitions are really different. They're not the same. When it's all said and done, we want to make sure that we're living our lives in such of a way that God says we're rich. Because at the end of the day, what's really important is what God has to say, right? I mean, what matters to me more than what you have to say about who I am, what matters to me more is what God has to say. So what, what does God have to say about rich and how we're living our lives? What we don't want to do is we don't want to be deceived and spend our lives laying up earthly riches and miss the opportunity of having true riches in heaven. We don't want to spend our lives living for the temporary and miss, it, miss the eternal. You know, Jesus made... Um, a profound statement in Matthew 16, 26. Listen to what he said. He says, What good would it be for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his own soul? What good would it be if you had it all? If you had it all, worldly speaking, if you had it all, yet you forfeit your own soul. So according to Jesus' words, we can be earthly rich or temporarily rich, and miss what really matters. And we don't want to do that. We want to live our lives in such a way that we honor God with our lives. And when we come to the end of our lives, we hear God say these words, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. I entrusted you with a few things, and you were faithful 
So come and, and be blessed. Come and enjoy the rewards I have for you. You know, there's two stories in the Bible that, that help us gain an understanding as to, as to what God values. And, and I, I believe these two stories give us insight as to how God defines living wise, as to how God defines living rich. So, so let me just quickly summarize these two stories. The first story is found in Mark chapter 12, the Gospel of Mark chapter 12. And it's about a poor widow who comes to the temple and she puts her offering in the temple treasury and she drops in two copper coins. It would be similar today to you and I coming and dropping two pennies in the offering. That's kind of what happens here. And along with the happenings of the day, Jesus says there were also some rich people there who were dropping in bags of money in the temple treasury. So there's the widow, the poor widow who drops in two copper coins. There's the rich who are dropping in bags of money. But Jesus acknowledges, what's interesting in this story is that Jesus acknowledges and praises the woman for her sacrificial gift. Jesus regarded the woman as wise, not foolish. He set her up as a, as a model for the disciples to follow. He enshrined her as an example in the Word of God so that future generations might emulate her faith and sacrificial generosity. According to Jesus, although this woman was poor, she was actually rich from God's point of view. So here's the second story. Luke chapter 12. It's a story about a man who was a farmer. Obviously, he was a hard worker, a good planner. He planned well, worked hard. He had this bumper crop. He had riches and he had wealth. And on this particular year, he had like more goods than his barns could hold. He said, oh, I don't know what to do. He said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down my barns. I'm going to build bigger barns because I have so much stuff. In other words, he was expanding his operation in our culture today. Man, if you can expand your operation, how many know you've arrived? I mean, that's where this rich farmer was at. And this is what he, he had so much wealth, so much riches. Listen to what he said. I have plenty of good things laid up for many years. I'm going to take life easy. I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. But I have so much stuff. I mean, if you were, if you were to have, ask anyone who was observing this man, they would have said, wow, he's made it. He's living the dream. Possibly they would have even been envious of his financial position. But listen to what God says about this man. And again, folks, in the end, hear me, in the end, what really matters is what God says. Listen to what God says about this rich farmer. You fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Things for themselves, rather than being rich toward God. So here we have two people, two stories. One about a poor widow, the other about a rich farmer. By our standards today, the widow's actions would seem unwise. She gave everything she had. I mean, it was just two copper coins, but it was all she had. We would say, wow, that's not wise. But God who knows the hearts of, of both the, the man and the woman sees from the vantage point of eternity, and He regards the poor woman as eternally wise and the rich man as eternally foolish. An interesting contrast. I think, I think this proves that our, that our beliefs about money and possessions are radically different from God's. Actually, they're diametrically, diametrically opposed. 
What we learn from these two stories is that you can be earthly rich, yet eternally poor. And you can be earthly poor, yet eternally rich. Now again, there's nothing wrong with being rich, nothing wrong with having possessions. I'm not saying we should make it our ambition in life to be poor. I'm not saying we should all take a vow of poverty. Again, I would not, I would not encourage it, but what I am saying is, We want to make it our goal in life to live rich, to live in such a way that we honor God. And it's really not about money, folks. It's about heart. 1 Samuel 16, the Scripture says that man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks where? The heart. He saw the heart of this poor woman. He says, you're eternally rich. Saw the heart of the foolish farmer, though he had much stuff. Didn't have barns to contain it. Although he had much stuff, Jesus said, you're a fool. And we want to honor God. We want to live our lives to honor God with what He's blessed us with. That's our goal. Now before I jump into the outline of the message today, I, I want to quickly give you four possession principles that are critical if we're going to understand how to live rich. Four possession principles. This is what we call extra. It's not in the sermon notes. You didn't even know you were going to get blessed with extra today. But this is your day, right? Four, really quick. Each of these are a sermon unto themselves, but I'm going to give them to you really quick. Four possession principles that are foundational. They must be foundational in understanding about finances. The first is, is the first principle is God owns it all. God owns it all. You're not the owner. God owns it all. Psalm 24 verse 1 says, The earth and all that's in it is the Lord's. So the stuff that you have is really on loan to you. God owns it. Here's a second principle. We are stewarding God's goods. We're managing God's goods. Whatever you have, God has entrusted to you to manage for a period of time. So we want to be those who manage God's goods, God's money, God's stuff, well. We want to steward well. You know, that's why we offer every year, we offer a class called Financial Peace University, FPU. It's a Dave Ramsey class. And it's really a, a financial management class to help you understand money, how money works, how money can work for you, how money can work against you, how to help you live free of financial pressure and stress. It is a phenomenal class. Every couple that's ever taken, or every individual that's ever taken the class, has completed the class, has great stories to tell of how it's changed their thinking about finances, about stewardship. So we have that coming up again this year. It starts March the 3rd. The cost of the class is about $100. We are so convinced that the class will help you, that if you go to all of the classes, not some, but all of the classes, we'll reimburse you totally the cost of the class. Because, again, we want to help you when it comes to this issue of stewardship. So God owns it all. We're stewarding His goods. Here's the third principle. We've been blessed to be a blessing. Acts 20, verse 35 says it's, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Or it's better to give than to receive. Right, listen, we've been blessed not just so we could have more. We've been blessed so that we can bless others. Listen, if you catch this principle, it'll change your life. I know for me, I've seen this in my own life. I've seen this in the 22 years that I've been leading this church. What I've discovered is as we live our lives to be a blessing, it opens our lives to be blessed. 
Which brings us right to the fourth principle. Here it is. God rewards generosity. Luke 6.38, Jesus talks about how as we give, it's multiplied back. Listen, our God is a generous God. Would you, would you agree with that? Our God is a generous God. He's been generous to us. And He's called us to, what, to model generosity. God rewards generosity. So with these four foundational principles, let's talk about living rich. Let's talk about how we can achieve being rich. What we must understand is that money, possessions, and wealth can be a blessing or a curse. So the stuff of life, the temporary stuff of life, can be a blessing or it can be a curse. It all depends on how you view them and how you use them. I'm talking about the stuff, the riches, the money, the wealth. How you view it, how you use it. The money, money's really neut- neutral. Money's not bad, money's not good. It, it, it's neutral. Oftentimes individuals take the scripture out of context, First Timothy 6.19, and they say, you know, uh, money's the root of all evil. And that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So money's just a tool. It's a tool that can help you or it can harm you. It's a tool that can set you up or it's a tool that can wreck you. It all depends on how you view it, how you see it, and how you use it, how you, how you utilize it. So money's not bad, possessions are not bad, wealth's not bad, if, and here's the big if, if you have a right view and a right use of the very possessions that you have. Now it's critical, I, I think it's critical that we have a conversation about this, because I know in my own life, and pretty much for every human being I know, and that includes all of you, because I know you, uh, we struggle with this. It's a struggle for us. The temporary stuff of life is a struggle. And there's the, there's the possibility for everyone in the room today that the temporary stuff in your life can, can, be, can become an idol in your life. A God in your life. Listen, that's why God has so much to say about money throughout the Bible. Did you know that there's 2,350 verses of Scripture in the Bible that talk about money, stuff, possessions? Did you know that Jesus spoke 15% of his recorded words about money, stuff, and possessions. Now the very enormity of, of the Scripture about money, stuff, possessions should make us step back and say, why would God say so much about money? Why would God say so? I mean, there's so many other things he could have talked about. I mean, there's questions he could have answered that we would like to have answers to, but he spent a lot of time talking about this issue. Why? This is why. Because he knew that we were going to struggle. He knew that in our humanity, we were going to get tripped up with stuff. We were going to struggle with, with money. We are going to struggle this area uh, as it relates to the stuff of our lives. See, God knows that riches can be a great blessing for us or they can be a great problem. Again, it comes down to how we view them and how we use them. So let's look to what Paul wrote. 1 Timothy chapter 6. It's in your notes. It's on the screen. So let's read this together. Would you read this with me? Command those who are rich in this present world. Oh, let's stop right there just for a minute. Because I don't want you to think that this verse is not about you or for you. Because when you read that first line, for some of you, you thought, well, 
obviously Paul's not talking about me because I'm not rich. I know somebody who's rich, but I'm not rich. So this verse is not about me. And I want to... Get, I'm going to broaden the application of this for just a moment. Did you know that if you live in a dwelling place, whether you're leasing or you're owning or own the dwelling that you live in, and you have HVAC, heating, air conditioning, refrigeration, and a toilet that flushes, you're living better than 60% of the people in the world today. Think about that. Here's another statistic that's amazing to me if you have twenty two hundred dollars in assets not twenty two hundred dollars in cash but twenty two hundred dollars in total combined assets you are richer than fifty percent of the population of the world today here's another astounding statistic if you made more than fifteen hundred dollars in 2017 you're in the top twenty percent of wage earners in the world today fifteen hundred dollars or more. Top 20%. Now I know here today that there's people who are financially stretched. You're challenged. Maybe you're underpaid. Quite possible. Um, Maybe you're unemployed. I understand there's challenges as it relates to our finances. But hear me. The very fact that by God's Blessing, we were born in the United States of America means this. We have many privileges that other people don't have around the world. We have many opportunities that other people don't have. That's why they're risking their lives crossing the seas trying to get to this land that we live in. Hear me, you, possibly you've never thought of yourself as being rich. Always thinking, well, rich is someone else. I know someone who's rich. But I, I would submit to you, comparatively speaking, the population around the world, we're rich. We're so blessed. Not just with money, but with opportunity, relationships, community. We're so, we're so blessed. So with that understanding, now let's go back to this verse. Let's read it together from the top. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So Paul's counsel to us is not to put our trust in the wealth, in the stuff, in the temporary. He advises us to enjoy. Notice he says, enjoy what you've been blessed with. In other words, celebrate it. Have a little dance. Throw a little party. But don't allow the stuff to become a God in your life. He further challenges us in this passage of Scripture to be rich in good deeds. We're going to talk about that next week. To be willing to share. In this way, what? We're leveraging our riches to lay up treasure in heaven. But as we're honoring God with what He's blessed us with. So let me give you this morning really quick. The good news and the bad news. Good news, bad news. I always like the good news first. So let's start with the good news. Here's the good news this morning. You are rich. You're rich. Again, you probably didn't wake up this morning thinking I'm rich. And maybe you've never defined yourself as being rich. And again, I'm fully aware that individuals here are underpaid. There's individuals who are struggling in their finances 
understand all of those realities. But again, if we were to look at the big picture of our lives, we have been so blessed. We are rich. We're rich in and not just the finances. Oftentimes we, we, we go to the money. But, but I think about opportunity. Wow, we are rich in opportunity. I mean, I think about this. I was blessed to get an education. My mom and dad sent me to a, a public school where kindergarten up through 12th grade, I, I got an education. I was blessed to, when I got out of school to land a job. I had gainful employment. And then after a couple of years, I was blessed to be able to go to Bible college and there study for four years. And then after that, I was blessed with another huge opportunity to come on staff at Grace Covenant. I could go on and on. Man, we have been so blessed in our lives. This is what I know. Here's the good news. We are rich. So many ways. So many ways in our lives we've been blessed. Well, being rich is not bad. It's okay to celebrate. It's okay to rejoice in what God's blessed us with. To give thanks to the one who has blessed us in our lives. Ecclesiastes 5.19 reads like this, Moreover, when God gives any man, any woman wealth and possessions and enables him to enjoy them, this is a gift. A gift that God grants us. So we have a gift. We have a gift to enjoy. And then Deuteronomy 8.18 says, But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms His covenant. So according to this verse, it's God who grants us the ability to gain wealth. So if God grants us the ability to gain wealth, how many of you know wealth can't be bad? If God's given us the ability to achieve that. So we're blessed. We're blessed. And the good news is that we're rich. So according to these two passages of Scripture, being rich is not bad or wrong. But listen, you have to know the why. Why are you rich? Why are you so blessed with opportunity and relationship and community? Why has God so, so ravished you with, with, with the goodness that He's brought your way? The why. If you don't know the why, listen, riches can distract you and destroy you. The pursuit of riches, the riches of themselves, can actually take you away from God. So we have to know the why behind the riches. If we don't, they'll destroy us. I'll talk about that more in just a minute. But the good news this morning is that we're rich. Again, you may not, you may not feel rich possibly. You've never thought of yourself as being rich, but, but we are. And if you're going to be good at being rich, first you have to admit that you're rich and then acknowledge the source being God. It's God who's blessed us. It's God who's brought opportunity. It's God who's opened doors. It's God who's networked us, who's connected us in so many ways. He's blessed us in our lives. So the right response is to what? It's to applaud God. The right response is to give Him thanks for all that He's blessed us with. That you would get up every morning and say, Wow, God, I am so blessed in my life. And that you would begin your day with thanksgiving for the goodness of God that has not only come to you, but that is overflowing your life. The good news this morning is that we're rich. Turn to your neighbor and say, Hey, I'm rich. Give him a high five. Go ahead and tell him. Listen, it's okay to celebrate it. It's okay to celebrate it. It's good news. The good news, the good news this morning is that we are rich. Here's the bad news. You ready for the bad news? The bad news is you are rich. It's the good news. And it's also the bad news. It's the challenge. It's been said that that riches in our lives 
or like a poisonous snake, which is harmless if a person knows how to take hold of it. But if they don't know how to take hold of it, it'll entwine around their hand and bite them. Listen, riches can bite you. Riches can wreck your life. If we're not careful, the temporary stuff of life can distract us and can mislead us. We can get so caught up in the pursuit of riches and possessions that they will mess, they will mess us up. They'll, they'll cause us to miss the things in life that really matter. We see the reality that's played out in a young man, a young man who came to Jesus seeking eternal life. In fact, as he approached Jesus, he said, Master, how can I have eternal life? And, and Jesus said to this rich young man, as well, here's, here's the commands. You need to keep the commands. And the, and the young man says, hey, I've done all of that. Check the list off. And the Scripture says, Jesus looked at the young man. says, one thing you lack, sell what you have. Give it to the poor and come follow me. And the Scripture says that the young man went away sad because he had great wealth. I think we could restate that verse to say he went away sad because the wealth had him. The wealth owned him. The stuff that he had, whatever, whatever it was, how, what it, however much it was, the stuff became a God in his life. And his allegiance was to the stuff, and he couldn't let go of the stuff to have the very life that he wanted. He was rich, and his riches messed him up. The good news is you're rich. The bad news is you're rich. You've been blessed with something that's dangerous in your life. After this conversation with the rich young ruler, listen to what Jesus said, Luke 18, verse 24 and 25. How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Why is it hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? For this reason. Because money and possessions become their God. That's the challenge. And in Matthew 6.24, listen to what Jesus said. He says, no man can serve two masters. You can't serve both God and mammon, God and money. Choose one or the other, but it can't be both. That's why it's hard. That's why this thing of riches... the worldly stuff, the temporary stuff, whatever that looks like in your life, that's why it is so dangerous. It can trip us up and keep us from the stuff of life that really matters. It can keep us from living rich. Listen, you can have riches and not live rich. You can have riches, wealth, stuff, and not live rich in your life. See, the problem with abundance is threefold. I'm out of time, so let me give these to you quickly. The problem with abundance, first is this, it's harder for you to depend on God. The more stuff you have, the greater the challenge it is for you to depend on God. Listen, when I had nothing, it was a whole lot easier for me to depend on God. When my wife and I left, Arkansas to go to Ohio to begin Bible college. We didn't. We were newly married, six months into our marriage. We didn't have two pennies to rub together. We rented a little one-room house 
uh, a little one room above a house. And it, it was so bad, we went to the secondhand store to buy a piece of carpet. And I, I remember my wife down on her hands and knees with an iron, trying to iron the wrinkles out of the carpet that we just bought. We didn't have anything. Listen, it's easy to depend on God when you don't have anything because you have nowhere else to turn, right? But here's the challenge. As the 401k grows, as the net worth grows, as the stuff grows, this is what I know, you're going to be more challenged in your life to truly depend on God. Because there's the danger of putting our trust in the stuff. The temporary stuff. Here's a a second problem with abundance is it can distract you from your true priorities. Matthew 6.33 says this, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Not second, not third. Not after you gather all of your riches. No, seek ye first. The challenge of the temporary stuff and again we can call it it looks it looks different for every one of us but the challenge is is we can we can get our priorities out of alignment and we're chasing after the stuff the job the career the retirement we we're chasing after that instead of truly Christ being the priority of our lives we get we get deceived we get duped Here's a third challenge that comes with abundance. Is you have greater responsibility. God expects you to use your abundance in a way that honors Him and helps others. If you've been blessed with more, can I tell you something? And this should fall as a weight heavy on your shoulders. If God's blessed you with more, He's expecting more. I mean, Jesus said it so clearly. Luke chapter 12, verse 48. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And for the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Listen, this is what I know. For me personally this morning, God is demanding much from me. And let me tell you why He's demanding much from me. Not because I'm more, not because I'm more special than anyone else. God's demanding much of me because He's entrusted much to me. He's opened doors of opportunity that I could have never created on my own. He's given me opportunity to connect in relationship, to network, to to grow in community, to grow in knowledge and understanding. God has given me great opportunity, and from that, He has great expectations. But where there's greater blessings, there's, there's a greater responsibility. If God's blessed you with more, then He's expecting more from your life. But it's so clear. And that becomes the challenge, the challenge with abundance. Oh, here's a good question. Here's a good question this morning. How are you using your abundance to help others? How are you using what God's blessed you with to further His kingdom, to be about eternal things? See, with greater abundance comes greater responsibility. So here's the good news this morning. You're rich. Listen, give God thanks. Every day, celebrate the goodness of God. But the bad news is, you're rich. So don't allow the temporary stuff and material possessions to rob you of what really matters. 
said, as those who are rich, our goal should be, should be to be rich in a way that honors God. We want to be rich in good deeds. So next week we're going to talk about what does that look like? What does it look like to be rich in good deeds? We want to be those who, who wisely use the temporary to build the eternal. That's what we're looking for. We're wisely using the temporary stuff to build the eternal. And it's for that one that God says, wow, you're living rich in your life. As we conclude this morning, I want us to do two things. The first is is we're going to give God thanks. This is what I know. He has blessed us in our lives. So many ways. He's been good. Doesn't mean we doesn't mean we don't have challenges. It doesn't mean that there's not pressures. But listen, this is what I know for myself and everyone in the room today. We are blessed above and beyond. So we're going to give thanks. The second, and I'm, just, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit this morning to shine a spotlight into your heart. Because this is what I know. If we're not careful, there can be a shifting of our allegiance from God to things. And it's so deceptive that we often don't even realize it. And we find ourselves chasing after things rather than chasing after God. It's like, how did I get here? We become consumed with the temporary and we lose sight of the eternal. If that's you this morning, I just want to pray that the Holy Spirit wrecks you. And that you have a course adjustment. Then every so often we have to do this. Well, we have course adjustments. We, we, it's like we get going down the wrong road, and Siri says, hey, wrong road, you've got to get on the right road. Well, better than Siri, we have the Holy Spirit. Wrong pursuit, okay, course adjustment. Well, Lord, we're grateful. Humbly we come this morning before you, the Creator, the God who is good and the God who's blessed us. Lord, above and beyond. So many ways, not just in money, not just in financial provision. But Lord, I think about health. I think about relationship. I think about community. I think about all that we get to enjoy, the opportunities that you bring our way. God, what I know is we are so outrageously blessed and it's because of you. So Lord, we just say thanks. Thanks for your goodness. And Lord, I pray this morning for individuals here today who've been maybe deceived a little bit or deceived a lot. They've they've allowed their allegiance to move God from you to stuff. And maybe the world would say they're living rich and you would say, no, they're living foolishly. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would reveal that as you shine the spotlight. If there's individuals who need to make a course adjustment, an, an alignment, shifting their focus back to you. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would reveal that, that you would grab people's hearts this morning. Lord, that they would be true repentance. True repentance. And God, thank you for your mercy. Your mercy that allows us, as we get off course, to course correct back to a right place. Lord, may we be those who live rich, not according to the standards of the world, but may we be those who live rich, Lord, according to what you would say about our lives. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.